I am beyond excited to have this young lady back on my show after it's been over a year since I've had the opportunity to sit down and talk with this amazing woman. Her name is Tamika Briscoe, and I met her on that app called Clubhouse, one of the best apps in the world, if you ask me, because the type of people, the caliber of people that I've been uh, able to meet and build amazing friendships with. That See, that's the most important thing for me right there. The, 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 the professional relationships are great, but the friendships that, that I've built and cultivated and the love that I have for a lot of these people is, is just the, the, the best thing ever. So we're going to stop being all of mushy and we're going to get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a conversation with Floyd Marshall Jr. I am your humble host. And tonight I am joined by the incomparable Tamika Briscoe. She is a writer. She is a director. She is a producer. She is a crowdfunding aficionado. So if you want to know how to raise some money for your project and do it the right way, you are in the right place. So Tamika, welcome to the show. What's going on? What's going on? That beautiful welcome is what's going on. How am I supposed to sit through this? I'm so excited. <laughs> Thank you so much, Floyd. Uh, I'm honored that we became friends from Clubhouse as well. And thank you for those kind words. Yeah. And uh, hi, everybody. <laughs> yeah, it, it was uh, it was absolutely awesome getting to actually meet everyone for the first time in person at the Micho Film Festival last year. And uh, we're going to do the follow up because I plan on coming back Ooh, in a couple of months. Wait. I'll be back in July and I'm so excited. I'm so excited to come back to the festival because it was amazing, yeah. but I'm, I'm just so excited to see all of you again. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Welcome to a conversation with where we sit down with some amazing people in the film, media, and entrepreneurial space. We're going to talk about what makes them successful and hopefully we'll give you something to help you maximize your business, but more importantly, to maximize your life. So sit back and enjoy a conversation with, and I'm your host, Floyd Marshall Jr. So let's get into this. Um You've been doing this for quite for quite some time. How did you get started in the business? Oh, great question. So I ever since I was a little girl, I knew I wanted to be like a Hollywood writer. Mm -hmm. And I'm from DC. So I don't even think as a little girl, I really even understood what that was. But I always just, it was just like an overwhelming feeling whenever I would watch like the Oscars or the Emmys or the BT Awards or any kind of place where they were gathering to celebrate art. Like I always had this overwhelming feeling like I'm going to be there one day. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's true. Like, you know, now I'm in those places and it's super exciting. But yeah, I just always knew. And but, you know, I didn't take a traditional path in my education or my career so I didn't go straight to college out of high school. Um, well, I did, but I pretty much dropped out and, uh, you know, started working and doing things my way. I had my first child at 22. So I was a single mom and most single moms, well, I can't speak for most single moms, but many single moms, too many single moms, you know, 
have the impression that, you know, I have a child, so now I have to just give up on my dreams. And uh, again, being someone who hasn't taken a traditional path, that actually fueled me to say, you know what, what is it that I really, really, really want to do? So um, fast forward to 2014, this, now I have two kids. I'm a single mom of two and they're age 10 and four. I decided I'm going to move to Los Angeles and really pursue this dream of being a, a Hollywood writer. Um, so I bought every screen book known to man about how to break into the industry, how to write, how to do this. I went back to college. It was actually my son's idea. He was 10 at the time. He pitched me on moving to LA because he too is an entertainer. And I couldn't think of any reason why other than, you know, how expensive it is. So I figured I better go back to school, um, finish up. At the time I had a bachelor's. So I enrolled into a one year master's program, a very intense master's program. There's a reason why grad school is two years. <laughs> so to really consolidating one, it was very intense. But um, so I did that and yeah, I packed up um, whatever could fit in two suitcases each on Southwest that flew for free and came here to LA to try to be a screenwriter. And uh, I noticed that everything that I read in the books that wasn't like feasible for me. Like, you know, there was no sending query letters and an agent's gonna magically represent me and get my career going. I quickly learned that in this town, you're only as relevant as like your latest thing that you've done. Mm -hmm. I quickly found like in this town that people will Google you or IMDB you is what we call it in a minute. And that just basically is check to see what you've worked on. And uh, you feel really small here with, with no project, uh, brand new, not really understanding how to get this going and trying to navigate it. So I found that once I started independently producing my own content, that is when I became a Hollywood writer. And then even from doing that, um, now that I've had opportunities to actually, you know, work for... Um, other projects, you know, with bigger, bigger budgets that are not financed by me and that are um, part of the Hollywood system. It still was because of the work that I did as an indie filmmaker that even got me considered for those opportunities. So I know it's a long answer, but that's no. how I got started. <laughs> no, you, you, you actually covered a lot of the questions that I wanted to ask you, but you know what, I'm going to still ask you. But you know what? Okay, so you, you were born in D.C. And mm -hmm. from the time you were, were little, you had the bug to, mm -hmm. to, to, to be, you know, in Hollywood doing what you saw on television, Yep. but you're from DC, which mm -hmm. is like a, 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 a G 10 town. <laughs> yeah. So what was it like having to explain to people, mm. you know, I'm, I'm not looking to get that government job. You know, yeah. I don't want to work for the post office. Mm -hmm. I don't want to work for the Pentagon. I want to write. What was that like? Very great question, because actually my grandmother, she was, I want to say a GS 12, GS 13. She was pretty high in the government. So mm. right out of high school, she got me a government job. So it was even more intense having to tell my family and especially my grandmother who actually got me the job like in the government. I started with no high school, no anything. I mean, well, no college or anything as a GS5. Like they walked wow. me in the door as a GS5. So whether I went to school or not, I was on track 
to just, you know, advance each year, get a step or a promotion. So, you know, had I stayed, I would probably be running the government. Who knows? <laughs> but, uh, but no, I would, I would really be doing very well um, in DC standards as mm-hmm. a government, federal government inspired place. So, um, but even aside from that, so that was super awkward, but they were supportive. I literally walked away from that government job because it was boring for me. You know, mm-hmm. I was called a program support assistant and pretty much like an administrative assistant. I learned a lot and I appreciate that foundation because as I became a filmmaker and a producer, a lot of those skills, like, you know, I'm the spreadsheet queen, you know what I mean? I'm very organized. Like, that's why it's so hard for me to even have an assistant because I have such a strong administrative background that I can just knock it out myself. Mm-hmm. So, but even to my friends, I always felt like a misfit because I'm one of very few people in my immediate um, circle who has like that creative ambition, like that want to actually do it for a living and really thought it was possible. So I always felt like a misfit in DC. I knew I couldn't stay there. I would try to do projects there and get my friends and stuff. And sometimes some people would come through, others would mostly people would flake. Like it was very frustrating trying to be an artist in DC, to be honest. Yeah. And you know what? Going a little off my questionnaire here. Okay. The thing that most people do throughout their lives, and especially when they become adults, is Mm -hmm. they end up getting that traditional employment, knowing that they want to do something else, and they're miserable. Yeah. And it's so sad to see so many people not living and fulfilling their dreams. So for you to say, you know what, I have to do this. This, Was was that the type of feeling that you had that I I, I have to do this? Yeah. Um, Especially like I spoke about, about because I was a single mom, Mm -hmm. I never wanted my kids to feel like there were limitations. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. a woman of faith. So one of my biggest things that I carry with me, like my favorite scriptures are anything in the Bible and it's there in many variations, but all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. So for me to raise my children under, you know, that belief, I can't move and navigate life in a way that's squeamish or you know, afraid. I have to make bold, fearless leaps. And trust me, anybody who loves me, especially my family, especially those who have played it safe and, you know, work for the government, like Mm -hmm. it had to be a nightmare for them because we really struggled when we first got here. And sometimes I even look back at the tenacity and the real tenacity and the real faith that it took um, to stick through this. Cause I'm like, wow, I could have went back home and lived very comfortably. Like, but I just stuck it through and, and I'm glad that I did, but yeah, it was super important. It was, it was not even a second thought. It had to happen. Yeah. It's this phrase that I hear a lot of, uh, cause I'm really big on personal development and the, a phrase that Tony Robinson Robbins uses a lot is burn the ships. Mm. And when, when you get to where you're going in order to really knuckle down and do what you did by moving mm-hmm. to LA with two small kids, you basically burned the ships because you said, okay, there is no going back. 
Yeah. I can't go back because I ain't got no way to get back because I just burned the ships. Yes. And when, when I say that to people, they're like, well, what are you talking about? And I say to them, well, how bad do you want this? Mm-hmm. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Or, are, you, are you leaving that ship on the beach? So if it gets tough, you can hop on it and go back to where you came yep. from. Mm. Burn the ship. I like that's, that. That's when it gets, that's when it gets good because now, and especially in this business, Tamika, you really see who's about this and who's not. Yeah, you do. You do. You've seen a lot. You see a lot of people come and go. And it's so funny because in full transparency, things did get really hard as my son in particular, like went through those middle school ages. Mm-hmm. Like it was really tough being away from home and he struggled academically, he struggled. Um, he wasn't he's never been a, a, a misbehaving uh, young man, but he just wasn't on his P's and Q's. So I took a year off and mm-hmm. instead of, and I do have the kind of family, especially my dad who would say, just send him here. We'll take care of him. But I didn't want to do that. I'm like, Hey, I'm not really famous. I don't really have any job here. Like I'm still kind of struggling. I just gave up. Like I thought that I was going to just go back home and move back home in 2017. So we went back to the DMV and I, um, yeah, got back. My son got back on track, got back onto the honor roll. And then we came back in 2018. So people tell me all the time, they're like, I never seen anybody that actually came back. Like people come here, they realize it's so tough. It's too expensive. It's not worth it. And that's just the end. And I've seen that in my time here uh, since 2014. Um, But no, we came back in 20, we were gone for a year, came back in 2018 and we're here and yeah, we're here to stay. And, you know, sometimes you just have to pivot and, and mm-hmm. readjust like it's not always just a straight path and there's nothing wrong with that i i've been doing this for 19 years and my path is has been squiggly yeah it it, it has never been straight i have not met one person yet mm-hmm. who has done this and it was a straight path because yeah. like yourself i had to take a year off oh i had to you yeah. know, I mean, yeah. I was dealing with some, I was dealing with some shit and, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I was like, look, I got to handle that. Yeah. This ain't, this ain't going nowhere. So it'll, it'll be there when I get back. And I came back stronger, a lot more calmer and, 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 you know, I, I, I was ready to go. So sometimes yeah. you, you do, as they say, taking the one step back allows you to take two steps forward. It's because, true. Because you really get to see what's important. Yeah. You, when, when you can, when you can step, step back from it and you can say, okay, mm-hmm. now and I can look at this from the outside in. Yes. Is that something I really want? Yeah. So yeah. when you took that year off, did, did mm-hmm. you have those, those conversations with yourself? Oh, absolutely. Like one thing about me is I stand like firmly on anything that I do. So even the decision to leave, I had it convinced in my mind that you know, Tyler Perry didn't leave uh, Atlanta. Like Hollywood is a zip code. You know what I mean? And it is a state of mind. People like yourself, people like Tyler Perry, people like Oprah Winfrey, like they don't live in Los Angeles and they're having thriving, successful careers in Hollywood. So I had that set in my mind that, okay, if I got to move back, especially for the sake of my kids, because no matter what, that is my number one priority. Maybe being around some family, maybe being back around his male role models, mm-hmm. you know, that would be what was best at the time. And it was and it was true. But I had to yeah, have some difficult conversations with myself. But 
you know, for me, I actually love living here. And, you know, in addition to just the creative community, like you can walk into any Starbucks and you'll see people typing away on that next big screen play. Like, I like that feeling. So for me being home, like being in DC, it's just, it was right back to me feeling like a misfit. So that is why it was like, okay, I need to actually, I'm one of those people who actually just thrive being around that community. I love the warm weather. I was miserable going back to cold and snow, snowy winters. I had, I, I got a job. So, you know, I hated that, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it was really a blessing that just in a year I was able to turn things around. But one thing about taking a step back, as you said, this time when I came, I came with experience. I came with understanding that I did not have in 2014. I knew people are going to Google me. People are going to IMDB me. This is like, so before I moved from 2014 to 2017, it took me like a while. It wasn't even until like 2016 that I wrote my first ever screenplay, even though I moved here to be a screenwriter, but I had to move here and learn how to survive. I will say that I appreciate that because LA taught me, it broke my mindset of what I was raised to think, like good government job, nine to five, all of that. I learned to, LA will teach you to hustle. So I learned, okay, how much does it take to live in Los Angeles for a month? How how do I make that amount of money rather than I have to get a nine to five so that I can do there? So if that meant Postmates or Uber or waiting tables, like whatever it took for me to have the freedom to still be able and flexibility to be able to go and network and do all these things. That's what I learned to do in LA. So I'm very grateful for that. And I'm grateful for that perspective of stepping away and coming back, knowing exactly what I need to do. Like I got, so when I moved back that, that in, in 2018, 2019, I had already like shot my first pilot. Like I knew I needed to have something tangible. And then I've just been consistently, you know, producing ever since. Cause I know that that's how it works. So you, you have a degree in journalism, correct? I do. Oh, a right. master's degree. Mm-hmm. So you have a oops, excuse me, master's degree, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Master's degree <laughs> in journalism. So, you know, you've, you've written novels, you've written blogs, uh, mm-hmm. you, you're, you're published. Mm-hmm. So did all of that also help in your transitioning to Los Angeles and, you know, having that hustle mentality? Because as a reporter and as a writer, you have to go find the story. Yeah. So did did that help you? I think it all ties in. How I can tell you how it did not help me, which was the biggest shock of my life because that was why I went to grad school. So when I moved here in 2014 and started applying to newspapers and keep in mind, like I was just fresh out of journalism school and I had all these recent clips that have been published in like major publications. I got like one interview as a reporter and I never, you know, got any opportunities. I got kind of close, you know what I mean? But I was never hired. So my my journalism degree in the sense of, you know, getting a, a career opportunity in journalism never opened itself up. But I thank God for that because he knows that was not what I wanted. I did that for for the sake of keeping the ship on the, on the shore just for as a plan B. But there is no plan B. Like when you have faith and, and you have a gift that God has truly given you, like since I was a little girl, I knew this was my destiny. I knew this is what I wanted. 
I didn't need a journalism degree for that reason. I need it for the, it makes me a better storyteller in terms of my screenwriting. And um, especially now the direction that Hollywood's going with IP and like, you know, you know, biopics and like all these great things like that journalism, that's, that's why I have one. And I didn't see it at the time, but I was very discouraged that all my friends that I went to journalism school with, they're thriving, they're reporters, they're verified on Twitter, they're all this. And I'm just like, I can't get, get a break. I'm doing postmates, I'm wait, waiting tables. But I knew even when I went to grad school that I was immediately moving to LA as soon as we finished and that I was going to, you know, be a Hollywood writer. I just didn't know it wouldn't be a, you know, a smooth journey. <laughs> but you and but you know what's interesting, but the, the the phenomenal thing about what you just relayed is the fact that you did not try to force the issue. Right. Because so many people try to fit that proverbial square peg into the round hole. Yeah. That ain't show lane. Mm -mm. Why are you trying to occupy it? <laughs> you understood that. Mm -hmm. And you just sat back and I knew it was frustrating, but you sat back and you let the blessing occur. Yes. Because, you know, and this is my humble opinion. You, you said, okay, I'm not going to fight this. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Amen. And, and yeah. it's going to take me where I'm supposed to go. And if more yeah. people did that, yeah, just a quick story. I had a conversation with a family member because they wanted to do a certain thing okay. and had tried numerous times. Mm-hmm. And you know, my sister, she's very talented and she just kept wanting to do this thing and do this thing. And they kept telling her no. And I kept asking her, well, but look at who you're coming into contact with. Yeah. That other thing is not what God has for you. And you trying to force it is mm -hmm. not going to make it happen. So what, what what's happening right now is this. You're being told no again mm -hmm. because the blessing that yeah. he has in store for you is so much mm -hmm. bigger yes. than that thing that you want. Exactly. Woo. And people don't see that. They and she don't. was like, well, I never looked into that way. I said, yeah. if you are looking at the people you are coming into contact with mm -hmm. and the, the connections you are making, mm -hmm. the people that you are bending over backwards to try mm -hmm. to get down with, they will come looking for you. They will. Leave it alone. And you are a testament to that because we met, we've known each other, what, about two, three years now? Yeah, going on three And years. I remember when you started. Yeah, yeah. Totally different from where you are now. Leaps and bounds, for sure. But you know what? To your sister's credit and to just the human nature, like at the time, like it, I can easily sit here in my comfortable Sherman Oaks, you know, digs that it took me a long time to be able to, to get to and, and talk about, oh, all you got to do is just believe. That is the hardest thing to do because we want what we want when we want it, especially those of us of faith, because we're like, God, come on. Like, you know, like this, this is what I want. Like, you know, please, please, please. So, you know, sometimes we, you know, it, it you, you have to trust the process, but it is so hard to trust the process because you have an idea of what you want, the way it's supposed to happen, and it just does not always happen that way. But all's well that ends well, you know what I mean? It's like you still ended up here, and what difference does it make if it took me 10 years or if it took me uh, 10 months? 
You know what I mean? As long as I get the the destiny that I'm supposed to fulfill, as long as I'm able to be a blessing to others and, you know, be a testimony. Yeah, yeah, that and that that is so true. You worked as a consultant for BET. Yes. How did you get that job? How did Ooh. that happen? Oh my goodness. The coolest thing is that and this has just been my testimony. When you are a person of your word, and it doesn't know it doesn't matter what that is. Like for me, it was simply writing a book. If I say I'm gonna write a book and I actually write a book, people begin to take you seriously. So that was all I did at that point. By the time I got the BET thing, I wrote the book. I did go back to school. So I think I was like in my last semester of grad school when uh, I got that opportunity. But it was a friend from high school. And keep in mind, this is not like one of my besties from high school. This is someone Mm -hmm. who I was cool with in high school. And we were connected again on Facebook. And they knew someone who who had the plug at BET. And they were looking to do a whole bunch of different things. And they brought us into a meeting. And then from there, my former uh, boss there, we just clicked immediately. Like, we're still in touch to this day. She's mm-hmm. no longer an exec at BET. She actually is uh, on her own. She has her own company, her own production oh, nice. company now. But yeah, we made, we, 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 we became fast friends and fast colleagues. And yeah, that was the best. So that happened. I was still in DC and BET's office was still open in the DC, but everyone knew I was moving to LA, but she even asked, she was like, is there any way that you would stay here and like, you know, come full time at BC? And I was like, not a chance. Like my destiny is LA. Because again, even though it's BEC, even though I was so grateful, I don't want a nine to five. Mm-hmm. I don't care who it's for. You know what I mean? Like I, I that wasn't what I wanted. I want to be a Hollywood writer. So the we split the difference and I got to work remotely as a creative consultant. So I got to work on a number of shows. And and that's the coolest thing because that opportunity kind of showed me that, again, I don't have to work a nine to five in L.A. Then I became uh, uh, and I I still remain a consultant for my own clients. Like I do filmmaking consulting and writing, coaching and things like that. So it just taught me that you can get paid for your ideas. Like, Mm -hmm. go figure and it's the most fun thing in the world because as a creative, you love just spitballing. I do it for free. Yeah. But when they gave me that contract, it was like a 20-something page contract. And I didn't even have an attorney at the time. So I don't advise this, but I'm just like, <laughs> money and I'm just, you know, but it was, um, that was a game changer for me. Wow. And how, how long were we there for? A couple years. Wow. Yep. A couple years until like the DC office pretty much closed. But again, like it was incredible because my first day here, like I, I touched down June 2014 mm-hmm. and um, the, they were doing the BET uh, awards. So I got to go to the rehearsals and like for the first time in my life, I realized how close I am. Mm-hmm. Like I am close, like I am sitting in a row, like the, the only people here are like behind the scenes people like who are at the rehearsal. So the big show is the next day. So it was like John Legend. I'm like in the fifth row, like, and they're literally right here. Like if I could just reach out and touch, let us see Yolanda Adams. Like, I'm like, wow, like I am here. And this was my very first day that I touched down to LA to move here. 
like I, I that's how things like, like just quickly seemed like it was coming together. But as we know, it didn't come together that fast. But mm. well, but let we, me ask you a question before I get to this other question. You you were sitting that close, mm -hmm. so you were in proximity. Yeah. Do you think that more people would stick with it if they knew how close they actually were? Not yeah. saying that you don't have to put in the work, mm -hmm. but that it's like a very thin film. Yeah. That yeah. if you just keep poking at it, it's going to yep. break. Yes. So yes. do you think a lot more people, if they if they understood, because mm -hmm. I'm listening to a lot of people that are very successful and they say, at that moment when you're ready to throw it in is the moment yeah. you should just take a couple extra steps because you're mm. right there. Yeah. Yeah. I think if they truly understood that they would stick with it because it's true. It's almost like chipping away at like a block of ice. Like that's hard. It's going to, but you, I mean, the only thing that is going to get you to break that ice is consistency, you know, and then the elements, the elements are going to, you know, it can't stay, you know, it's not in a freezer anymore. So it's going to get a little bit easier. Like you just got to keep chipping away, chipping away. And you don't know how many hits it's going to take, but you got to keep doing it. And the only guaranteed way that you won't win is if you don't try. So giving up is just not an option. Like, you know, pivot by all means, because sometimes you could be doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. and, and there, I, I definitely started doing it wrong. Like I didn't know what I was doing. I was reading books and being in a state of aspiring, which you all know, I don't even like that word anymore. Like I, cause you can get too comfortable. Once you label yourself as aspiring, mm -hmm. you're comfortable. Mm -hmm. Aspiring, you can aspire for a day, I'll say. After that, you need to be actively becoming. <laughs> well, you know how I am because, you know, when we've done rooms together and somebody say aspiring, I'm like, you better cut that shit out. Aspiring, <laughs> to, aspiring to what? Right, right. Not many things you have to be aspiring to very long. Like an aspiring surgeon, okay. Yeah, but at least you're in medical school. So now you're a med student. You're not an aspiring anything. Like the second that you take an action to become, <laughs> you're no longer aspiring. Aspiring is just not good enough. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're better than aspiring. Do it. Hey everybody, it's Floyd Marshall, host of A Conversation With. Have you ever listened to a podcast and said to yourself, I'd like to ask him a question? Well, you can just message me with a question or a comment and I'll make sure to respond to it in the very next episode to your success. Visit anchor.com to send Floyd a question. Yeah, and it's so interesting because, it, and it's a language thing. Mm -hmm. Aspiring, you know, okay, you're, you're, you're a practicing actor. Mm-hmm. You're not aspiring me because if you've done exactly. something, no one said you did it well, but you did it. You did it. So exactly. then what, what you then do is you yeah. keep doing it. Like you said, the consistency, you keep doing it. And the yeah. more you do it, the better yeah. you get. And, yeah. and, and to your point with the chipping, I was listening to this podcast with Ed Milet, one of my favorite people. And mm -hmm. he talked about uh, one of his kids uh, years ago being at a party with a pinata. Mm -hmm. And all the kids kept 
walking up hitting the pinata, but it mm-hmm. would not, it didn't burst. He said, but everybody kept hitting that pinata. Mm-hmm. And then the last person came up and hit it and all the candy spilled out and everybody got the reward. And he said, why was that? He said, because it didn't happen on the first hit yeah. or the second or the third or the fourth. Mm-hmm. He said, but people kept yeah, hitting, hitting. Yeah. And then here comes the reward. Basically, you know, what you said as far as the chipping, the chipping at yes. it. Yeah. But yeah, but let's 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 talk about this amazing project that you did under the most extreme of conditions. Tamika Briscoe actually produced a phenomenal web series in quarantine entitled QT. How did you come up with the concept and how did you pull that off? Because the, the year you made it, everybody was in lockdown. What no going outside. Yeah, that was truly incredible. And, you know, there is no real answer other than God, like literally. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. So, and it's, it's so interesting because I was talking to someone on my team recently like literally being a journalist, like I love the news. I respect the news. You know, it is, it's my jam. You know what I mean? So, and then also as we've established, I'm a woman of faith. So two, those are two very important factors to what I'm about to say. So then 2020 happened (laughs) and, um, I don't, as you can see, I I pack up kids and move across the country from all my support systems and figure it out. Like that's the kind of bold faith that I have. So I'm not someone who gets scared very easily. But again, 2020 happened. And then this disease that we did not understand, and especially at the time, at the onset of COVID-19, the numbers were strange because it just seemed like it was just rapidly taking a lot of lives, like there were, you know, like so many cases and so many deaths, like it was just, it was scary, like there's no other way around it. So I go to church and I attend, you know, the Potter's House at 1LA, which is Pastor Terry Roberts and Sarah Jakes, I mean, yeah, Sarah Jakes Roberts, those are my pastors. So uh, Pastor T was doing a sermon um, virtually and he said, you know what, some of y'all are going to have to go on a media fast, you know, in this season because, you know, it's going to be kind of scary. So as someone that go to church, you know, sometimes the sermon, it hits you like a ton of bricks. And sometimes you're like, oh, that's not my word. Like, I know that can't be my word. Like, <laughs> that ain't me. Me? He ain't a talking to me. <laughs> I am a journalist. You know, like it just, so I didn't think that word was for me, but then I did start to feel these overwhelming feelings of fear. So I went on a 10 day fast and I did not eat during certain hours. I I did no media whatsoever. So not only did I not watch the news, I had no social media. I didn't watch TV. I didn't do anything. So in that silence for that 10 days, I was actually able to hear from God and he just put it lightly dropped into my spirit, like do a, do a web series. Like about dating in quarantine. And I'm just like, and then the only thing that came to me, and this was actually on April 1st, 2020, literally, I remember it just like yesterday, the idea. And all I had was like uh, the idea that a woman would be getting ready for a date and we'll see her kind of getting ready. And then it looks like she's stepping out for a night on the town. And then she goes and sits in front of her laptop and it's like the new normal. 
So that was like literally all that I had. So who knew that it would grow into something that we would do on, for two seasons? We would get distribution on Tubi, which again, before Clubhouse, I didn't even know was an option. We would go on and raise all this money and do a spinoff. And most recently, Feb on, on, on April 1st, 2023, we began production of a feature film which called Spawns, which is a spinoff of QT Second Shot to begin with. And it's my first feature film and it is amazing. So to answer the question, like I got the idea from God and he has just continued to multiply it and grow it. And and now responds that's growing and we have names attached to that. Like we're going as a post on that. Like it's just truly phenomenal. So basically what you're saying is when, you know, peace be still. Amen. When you Woo. sit and you and you're still. Yes. Because that's when and that's what one of the reasons I'm really big on meditation, mm -hmm. because that's when a lot of things yeah are revealed mm -hmm. because you're 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 sitting still and yeah. you're not letting any outside things come come in which which is which is absolutely amazing and yeah. ladies and gentlemen there's this word called discernment mm. and sometimes if you get real quiet yeah you you'll 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 hear you'll hear some things and i you yeah. know and 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 that it, it, wow that is so crazy how your pastor said, go on this media fast mm -hmm. because of all the noise. Yes, yes. And you're sitting there and say, he ain't talking to me. Mm -hmm. And God's saying to me, oh, he talking directly to you. Me? Because in order for that breakthrough to come. Yeah, he had to hear. I had to hear from him. You, you had to hear it. Especially out here is grind, is grind, is grind. And I'll be fully honest, and I am ashamed of this, but I haven't done a serious fast like that since. So mm -hmm. who knows how many things that God is trying to get through to us, but don't misunderstand me. He'll get it through you one, to the, one way or the other, but it's just important to get silent sometimes. Like the grind will always be there. Mm -hmm. The grind is sold separately. Like you can go get that anytime, but the quietness and the stillness, that is important too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you know what? I think as creatives, we just don't know how to sit <laughs> still. Right. Because, yeah. you know, my wife's like, yo, you, you you doing something else? I'm like, yeah. She's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, didn't you just do that? I'm like, yeah. She said, are you adding something else? Really? I'm like, I, I don't know how to do it any other way. Yeah. I just don't. You know, okay. it's it's it, it's in our blood. But then some days yeah. I just have to actually force myself. Yes. Like, all right, don't happen that often, but turn off your phone, Ooh. turn off your computer and just yeah. and Wow. Girl, I had the most phenomenal ideas. So then I'm writing in my book like, oh, snap. Yeah. Because I, I let the interference, yes. I let the interference die down. But let's yes. let's keep this moving. So you do QT. Then you do QT second shot. But in order to do all of that stuff, you got to have money. And you raised quite a bit of it. $80,000 to be exact. I'm, I'm telling you business because it's out there. <laughs> you, you raised $8,000 on Clubhouse and, and other places. So what made you decide that you needed to crowdfund for these projects? 
Very good question. Okay, so again, being someone who moved across 3,000 miles, you know, to be in LA, moved back 3,000 miles, and then moved back 3,000 miles, like a zigzag across this country, like it, I became an expert on what's necessary. And I become an expert on closed mouths don't get fed. I became an expert on no matter what these books tell you, there is no mythical agent that is just going to come and sign you. And, you know, you can be as talented as you want, but until people know who you are, it's just lost. You know what I mean? So it, it was important to me to create something. So I will say yes, yes. You kind of need money, which is why I did the crowdfunding. But before I get into that, I want to, because I know I'm talking to new filmmakers here. You don't always need money. But what I have, which is how I was able to get money. But even before QT was done on a very, we did it remotely, right? So that wasn't, that didn't require a lot of money. Um, what you need is community and you need people who will believe in you and who will collaborate with you and help you, that, that will see your vision and, you know, help you bring it to life. That's ultimately what you need. But for, people have bills and responsibilities. So as a result, that's why you need money. So, um, but I just want people to know that you can use what you have. You can use what you have in your household and your iPhone. And that's not, you know, money uh, in addition to what you've already spent. You just use your resources and you use your community, which you do have, and you can get things done. But from there, because, you know, I used the resources that were available to me, available to me at that time, um, we did QT in its remote format for two seasons. We were coming out of quarantine, so the climate was changing, so we didn't want to do a third season of that Zoom. Like, we all were Zoomed out. We all were FaceTimed out. Like, we were all just excited to be back outside, so we wanted the story to kind of reflect that. Because um, the cool thing about what happened with QT is that we were doing it in real time. We were only six to eight weeks behind everything. So even when there, mm. when the election happened, like we got to document that, like what people were doing, how people were dancing in the streets, like even though COVID was going on, they were just so happy that, you know, <laughs> the mm. election, you know, turned out the way it did. So, uh, you know, we were like in real time, we were dealing with like the, the protests and, you know, we, we, we did so much like, so that was really cool. So even us doing QT second shot with real cameras, like that too was us documenting history that it went from, you know, being on lockdown to, to doing this, but we needed money then because we needed a crew and, you know, all the things that production. So the quickest way was just to go to my community. And, you know, I was very fortunate to, you know, to have the success I did with fundraising is because I knew what was clear that I knew what I needed and people can't help you if you don't even know what you want. Mm -hmm. So even when it comes to crowdfunding, I had to be specific, like, okay, guys, we need to make $40,000 and we need it in six weeks. So then my uh, brilliant crowdfunding manager, Shakisha Williams and I, we would strategize and we came up with the hashtag 40K in 40 days, 40K in 40 days. Like, so people knew it. They understood the urgency. They understood the amount that we needed. So that first year 
we were able to do that. Um, and we did it mostly on Clubhouse, but it also took me picking up the phone and really calling people, putting myself out there. People who I'm terrible for not calling since I was a little girl and saying, hey, auntie, can you help me out? But that's how we, we reached our goal. And then the following year, we just ran an almost identical campaign and we raised a little over 70. So we didn't quite get to 80 um, through crowdfunding, mm -hmm. but we surpassed that because with the same project, now I'm at a position that with the, so it's kind of like, this is the trajectory. When it came to advancing my own money, QT season one and two, that was betting on myself. That meant spending my own money to get it to where, where it is. Because I put, did a project that people saw that they could see, like it's real. So you, like I told you, when I did the book, that's why my friend gave me the meeting with BET because it's like, she's someone who if she says she's going to do it, she's going to do it. So any opportunity you're going to get is going to come from you being successful in, in following through with your words saying you're going to do something. So I, I invested in myself, did QT season one, season two. So therefore, when I went to the community and said, hey, we want to continue what I've already done. Mm -hmm. It was a no brainer. People flooded. We have over 600 donors. Sometimes occasionally people still will go on the crowdfund and, 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 and give something. I have a friend that literally sent me money today, you know what I mean? And I told her like, no, we're, we're good. You know, she's like, I just still want to support, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, like it's completely unnecessary, but completely dope. You know what I mean? Like, thank you. Like, just a little love seed, just knowing, like, hey, you're going to probably need to do something. So I mm -hmm, just want mm -hmm. to be a part Put of that it. in escrow. Put that in escrow. <laughs> Put it in escrow. Exactly. Um, but no, trust me, there's always something that needs to mm -hmm. be done or, you know, or errand that needs to be done. So then with the success of the crowdfunding and they saw what I was able to produce QT Second Shot and see the kind of story that I'm able to tell and, and to see that I actually deliver on what I say I'm going to do. Now, um, with this feature film that I had, you know, clearly it's a much bigger budget. It's a feature film, but I had investors, so I didn't have to crowdfund this time. I actually had have investors, but it's still the same um, premise. Like, you know, it's just um, instead of getting 600 people to, you know, chip in, you get like six people to, you know, give a lot and, and, and then we get it done. So, so, so how did the investors hear about you? Did you approach the investors or did they I come know to them you? Personally. Every okay. investor I have is, is a combination between family and friends. Um, so yeah, that's how they heard about me. But again, that means nothing. Everybody has family and friends, but if you don't have a proven track record, and especially now that we're on an investment level, if you don't have the likelihood to, to generate a return, you know, that's not going to be something that's feasible to get. So you, because people talk about this all the time, they always, they, you know, and, and, and I'm going to say it, people that don't know, say this, they, they initially say, never use your own money, use someone else's money. That's not entirely true. Yeah. Initially. It's your money. Yeah. It's going to have to be your money. Right. Because I'm not going to give you money, if, if you know, with, on your word or <laughs> you've never no. done anything. Right. I'm not going to spend my money <laughs> if you've never spent any of your money. Right. Exactly. Because 
I want to see, even if your project flopped, I want to see that you were willing to put skin in the game. Yes. Yeah. Because if you're going to ask me for mine, I need yeah. to see, I need to see some receipts from you. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So. Yeah. I when, don't know who made that up, but it is, I, I mean, I would challenge that person to step forward and let me know how you were able to pull that off. Like how you were able to get other people's money without ever putting up any of your own. Well, I, I think when people get to a certain level, they tend to forget where they started. True. You know, because you're so up there. Oh, I don't use my own money. Well, you know what? You 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 got 10 major motion pictures under your belt through a Hollywood studio. So you could say something like that. But the exactly. independent artists mm -hmm. has no choice but to use their own money because people like yourself. And, and you know what's interesting about that? The people that say that ain't trying to write the people that need it a check. <laughs> that is true. Because if you want me to use someone else's money, I'm asking you for it. But you're like, well, yeah. what you got to show me? Well, I don't have anything to show you because I ain't got no money. That's why I'm asking you for yours. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. But let's talk really quickly because we're about to wrap this up because I know you're so busy because you got things going on. Thank you. I, I want to touch on the power of relationships and mm. collaboration yes. because you are really the poster child for that. Mm. Because for over 600 people, and I count myself in that number, ladies and gentlemen, yes. I donated and bought merchandise yes, because I yes. believed in what you were doing. Thank you. What does that mean to you? the power of having built professional relationships, but more importantly, personal friendships with people. Cause I consider you a friend, oh, love yeah, you to death, absolutely. consider you, love you to life, consider you a friend. Same here. It means everything like, and then especially when I think of the 600 and by now seven investors, mm -hmm. I feel like I love every single person the same, you know what I mean? And I appreciate every single person the same. If you gave five dollars to me, in fact, I if I had to be honest, I value those people a little bit more than anybody, because for you to show up and give five dollars, that kind of shows like you don't have it, but you just want to give something like so that means something to me, like it's something about it. But everybody, whether you gave five dollars, five hundred, five thousand. And, you know, the numbers that we're now dealing with, I appreciate it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it just for someone to believe in a dream that I've held so long and some, you know, and especially for a project that I know was truly me just acting on obedience. You know what I mean? And just seeing how God has taken a seed and it's just grown and grown and grown. And it's it's just been it's. <laughs> I, there are no words for that. Like, I'm just grateful. Like, I'm just truly, truly grateful. That means so much. And I, I honor everyone with continued work, you know, and when you donate any amount or when you invest any amount, you help me create jobs. Like you help me tell stories with black faces. Like, I can't wait for you to see what we just shot. Like I had this long vision of because I was very blessed growing up that my parents knew I was a creative. 
So they never like put limits on what I could watch. So mm -hmm. I grew up watching soap operas. So I always wanted to be like a soap opera writer, but with black people, you know what I mean? And, um, and I'm talking about like the greats, like dynasty and Dallas and things like that. So with this project, I hope that people will see that influence, but just to see black people in affluent and opulence and, you know, just big, big, big. And I, I really believe we achieved that. And I'm so grateful because, you know, I've been Whoa. back to the community. I can't wait to I can't wait to see this. And we 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 should see those things because you know, we occupy every level of life. Yes. You know, from yes. from the lowliest to the highest. No, nothing yes. against, you know, the lowliest. It just is what it is. But yes. we yes. occupy all of those spaces and you know, to to continuously see films and uh television shows and it's one way and one way only and you're saying to yourself that is not my existence yeah that is not my truth yeah i ain't living like that no i don't know anybody living like that so yeah. why is that the only thing that i'm yeah. seeing yeah not not that i'm bougie no because i i straight grew up in the hood but Same. yeah, my life no more. Right. I mean, I, yeah. It is what it is. So yeah. why can't I see something that is reflective yeah. of where I am and where my friends are? I'm, I've been married exactly. for 35 years. All my friends are married. Yeah. So why can't I see shows where black couples are deeply in love? They raise yes. their kids. Their kids yes. are phenomenal. They ain't traumat tra traumatized. Yeah. No. Why, why can't Definitely I see something not. like that? And why can't we see ourselves with wealth? You know what I mean? Like we, even if we don't have it, we should be able to visualize and see that. And one thing I'm very proud of is that Spawns, it's a very multi-generational story. And we have centered the, the matriarch. Marianne mm -hmm. Alda is our matriarch. So, you know, I, I love, adore her. Like I'm a fan and now I've had a chance to actually work with her. And it's just important, especially for us Black people, like to, you know, uplift our community at its top, from the top and, and watch it start to trickle down. Because what's been happening is that we age ourselves out. You know what I mean? In traditional Hollywood stories that I've seen, I'm 42, like I'm washed up. You mm -hmm. know, it, it let let what the community says, you know what I mean? Like what we're seeing on TV, like you don't, you see millennial, younger millennial stories, you see like 20 somethings, like everything is based there. So I'm super excited and proud that we have like a multi-generational story. So we have our matriarch all the way down to like teen, uh, like adolescence in this oh, story. Wow. Oh, that's and beautiful. black wealth and black excellence, but it's treachery and deception and all those great things that make it a soap. But it, it, it is phenomenal. I can't wait for y'all to see it. And I, I can't wait to see it. So last question. What advice would you give an aspiring writer or anyone looking to join this business? <laughs> Okay. The, my, my, uh, first of all is you have one day to be aspiring as you know, <laughs> cause especially being a writer, you pick up a pen it's done. Now you are a writer and there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with being an emerging writer, a new writer, but an aspiring 
It's just giving you time to just, it's a cop out. Yeah, you know what it is. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. Because you could be an aspiring for 10 years. Right. Because you're not accountable. An aspiring just kind of gives you like a hall pass to just be, be, be there. You know what I mean? But no. So the first thing is write. Get it done. Write it. Do it afraid. Do it badly. Just do it. Because you, what you're going to do, writing is rewriting. It's rewriting. It's rewriting. It's re like, like, and, and there's coverage and there's table reads and getting your friends and your family together. There's workshopping your script. Like, just get it done. It does not have to be great. Like, trust me, if you knew some of my early stuff, I wouldn't say it was bad because obviously, you know, I've been storytelling and trained as a writer for a while, but it wasn't industry format. That's for sure. Like I had to actually learn that and I had to, you know, realize that sometimes I was shooting my shot prematurely, but shoot your shot, but just make sure you're in a good position. Like, you know, shooting your shot is just not something you do aimlessly. Close your eyes and, you know, throw the ball up and think you're going to sink it. Like it has to be the right positioning in the right time and then you'll sink it. And, and don't worry about that. Like, there are so many ways. I personally think that independent filmmaking is the greatest opportunity for at least people of color to break into the industry. It's just been my experience. And even as I look to my left and to my right at some of my peers and seeing how they got their start, it just is the easiest pathway. You know what I mean? You can win some film festivals awards. You can, you know, get yourself out there. And when you do, like, it's going to happen. But bet on yourself. Invest in yourself. Um, don't be in an aspiring state too long. Like, pull the Band-Aid off. Like, just just, just do it. Like, it's writing. You know, you're, you know, collaborate. You know, um, show up in service to others. A lot of the reason why I got the support that I did um, from so many people is because I'm in service and I support everybody as well. You know what I mean? Like it, one hand washes the other in this industry. Uh, that's my best initial advice. And that was some absolutely amazing advice. That was a masterclass for all of you, not aspiring writers, <laughs> content creators, filmmakers. It, it, it's that, that was amazing. This was awesome. I, I'm so glad that I had an opportunity to sit down again with you and to talk you're definitely going to have to come back. We're going to have to do a group session with 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 a couple of uh, with our with our good friends. You know what? I would love because I'm gonna have Hilliard on Ooh. next month. I would love to have you and Hilliard on together. I would love that. And shout out to Hilliard because I don't remember what happened, but somehow he ended up opening his offices to us. So for a writers' room, for oh, wow. and we actually did our QT second shot writers' room. I'm in there at his offices and it felt so good because he's a beast. Like, so just that good writing energy. We got, had some good ideas that day. So shout out to Hilliard. He's, he's amazing. I would yeah, love to be anywhere that Hilliard is. Yeah, he, he's dope. And I love, I love his podcast, The Rant Room. It's a, it's yes. A, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's educational. It's educational. I, both so have dope I love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And you guys make it so much better. And, you know, speaking of, you know, just practicing, you know, and getting better. If people go back and look at me when I first started, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, now it's, look at you. Yeah. You had 
stellar guests. I mean, it's amazing. And that, but that just goes to show like as a testament to who you are, like you go after it and you, and you make it happen. Like, and it's a great place to be. And it's always a great conversation with Gloria yes. Marshall Jr. And I have my sweatshirt. I should have wore it today. I didn't, you know what? And I'm, and I'm, and I watched the pink sweatshirt. I'm like, you know what? Uh, I just dropped the ball, but that's okay. I know, me when, too, but that's okay. When, when I, when my you come back one, with Hilliard, booted in my gear. My at, you know what? Now, when Hilliard <laughs> comes on on May 18th, I'm okay. going to say, hey, Hilliard, you and Tamika have to come on the podcast together. So I got to put that bug in his that. ear and everything. Yes. But Tamika, thank you so much for gracing me with your presence for the last hour it has been absolutely amazing and it's it is so good to actually see you again i retire next year so i'll be flying back and forth a hell of a lot more wait than, i can't wait me neither girl you can't wait i can't <laughs> wait shit but ladies and gentlemen i thank you so much mm -hmm. i i hope everyone has enjoyed this uh this episode tonight with the amazing to be good briscoe and i hope that you know, some of the things that she's told you, you can now incorporate into your own writing or into your own content creating or your creation of IP, because that's basically what it's all about, because yeah. this is a business, ladies and gentlemen. And this yeah. is one of the most prolific business women you will ever, ever meet. Oh, before we go, where mm -hmm. can people find you? Oh, I'm at Tamika Briscoe on everything. That's T-A-M-I-E-K-A-B-R-I-S-C-O-E. So if you need some 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 script script mm, script consulting or some filmmaking consulting, make sure you hit her up. Ladies and gentlemen, she charges. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> she charges. So please know, can you do this for free? <laughs> Don't do that, please. You know, again, this is a <laughs> business. But yeah, please, if you like the episode, share it on Apple because, you know, my thing is, in order for more people to hear about it, you guys got to share it. So then I can go up in the algorithms. That's the way yes. this thing, this the way this thing works. It is what wait. it is. Right. But ladies, but ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you so much for joining me and my good friend, Tabika Briscoe, on a conversation with, and I will end this as I end all my episodes. Love this like a hobby, but above all else, treat it like a business. Good night. Good night. <laughs>